to the SBK betting podcast, the brief hiatus in between proceedings with the Cheltenham Festival taking centre stage last week. It was a sublime week. I'm still just about recovering from last Friday. I'm sure many of members of this podcast too. Um, I'm really pleased that I've got the full team back in action. Uh, not least, I'm going to start with Tom Collins, who's threatened by everyone in the Guinness Village of Guinness should Vauban win the triumph. So I'm sure... That was the highlight of your week. Are you still recovering? Three out of four naps landed. How are you doing? Yeah, well, as you can tell, my voice is a little bit hoarse. Um, oh, that's a good pun, isn't it? Uh, after the China Festival, Boban, yeah, definitely the highlight in the triumph. I had a really bad Thursday. Um, anyone watching the daily podcasts with me and Ross would have realised that after Thursday, I was in a, a pretty bad way, Jess. But Friday saved us. Boban got off to a great start. Aplutard won the Gold Cup. Um, I thought the ride on Billaway from Patrick Mullins was phenomenal as well. A really good end to the 2022 Cheltenham Festival. Looking forward to 2023 now. I know I've seen so much of that. I nearly I nearly thought that we could do a little anti-post preview uh, podcast, so much so that everyone's talking about it, but absolutely not. This podcast will wait until next year when it's actually 2023. But I'm delighted you had a great week. Another man, um, well, a great Friday at least, a man who had a brilliant week overall with James Millman. Hats off to you, four out of four naps landed from the Cheltenham Preview podcast. Nine overall winners, including Aplutard, Long Press, Fastal Vega, to name a few. Uh, I'm sure you're delighted how the week went for you, James. Yeah, I kept it mostly the short price ones. I didn't have any big price options in the handicaps. Oscar Elite, he ran well. I wish he'd gone for the Kim Year, but he finished third in the ultimate. But yeah, the, the shorties that I, I hope would come in, apart from Tiger Roll, which was a little bit heartbreaking to see, uh, the rest of them basically did the job. So uh, yeah, it was a great Cheltenham. I think it's getting easier in the fact that the smaller fields mean there's less shocks as such in the main races because the field numbers, you divide into easier options if you can't win the main event. So it did mean that lots of single figure price horses won rather than some of the, the bigger outsiders perhaps in recent years. But it was still an enjoyable festival. I just hope that uh, somebody does catch up with Willie Mullins because it's Willie Mullins 10, uh, the rest struggling a little bit. So um, hopefully this time next year, Someone else is just stopping Willie from, from cleaning up a little bit at the festival. That was the only slight negative for me. Yeah, we, we definitely did a lot better than Tom Collins thought we were going to do anyway. And we and the handicaps, there was some results that played in our favour. And I think the handicapper in reflection did quite a good job. A lot of drama with the ground and various aspects, but it was a great festival all in all. Um, Ross Miller, come to you. I just want to say what a fetching jumper you have on. Um, I've actually joined you. I've, we must good minds think alike. I don't know why you you've decided to wear that. Um, something to do with Willie Mullins stopping the show up from, uh, or was it or was it something to do with Nicky Henderson? I think I may have suggested on more than one occasion to you, Jess, that your lucrative anti-post position on Constitution Hill for the Supreme was wasted because he wouldn't win the Supreme because he'd go to the Ballymore. And you suggested that maybe I wore one of my fetching roll necks without sleeves. If I was wrong. And then somewhere along the line, a uh, rich, Richie uh, rat tail got thrown into the mix. So so here we are. And he was a very impressive winner. Well done to you. He would have won the Ballymore and John Bond would have won the Supreme. So maybe Nicky missed a trick. But true to my word, here I am looking like a clown ready to go for the flat. <laughs> Good man. I know. I know. Well, I'm, hats off to you for, for sticking to your word. Um, Constitution Hill, definitely the stand up performance from the week um, from 
from my position um, and what a super horse. And I just love to hope that we might have a, a battle with Honeysuckle. She's only got one season left, as it seems. Uh, but yeah, great. What a week. Um, I was excited to see Rambler um, and a couple of other good price horses come through. Uh, but that is Cheltenham, done and dusted. And although we still have eight tree punches down the likes to enjoy uh, for the National Hunt fans, this weekend marks the return of the turf flat season. And to celebrate, um, FBK's first flat sponsorship, um, all at Doncaster, all seven races sponsored by FBK, including the feature Lincoln Handicap. And, well, I know, we know what happened when FBK last sponsored a race. The outcome was the race of a generation in the Clarence House Chase. So let's just say FBK have a good way of picking them. So let's get into it because there's plenty to get previewing, um, full on flat mode. And we're going to cover um, three races from Doncaster. Well, the first one is going to be uh, the 150, the FBK Camage Trophy. It's a six furlong listed race. Um, and I'll just quickly go through the betting. Garris is a two to one favourite. Diligent Harry, 11 to four. Belsa, 15 to two. Mosalita, 12 to one, 14 to one. Mondamage, um, 14, 16 boss, uh, volatile analyst and just another boss will complete the field at 33 to one. Not a great, not a big field. And some of these field sizes are, are smaller than I'd, I'd hoped. Imagine it would be quicker ground. Um, I'll come to uh, TC to you first. Um, you probably had a good look at this. Delighted to have the flat turf season back starting. Um, despite only seven runners, a good a good field. I thought Belisa had a good season last last year, smashing one of the Air Gold Cup. Um, but there could be some horses that are going to come into themselves as sprinters this season that, that are going to start off their hope to start off their season in a good good respect. Yeah, I can't wait for the return of the turf um, flat season. I've been waiting for this for about six months. So I'm really excited to be heading up to Doncaster actually on Saturday. Um, we are doing a, a race preview, a meeting preview before racing starts as well, which will be phenomenal. And then we'll get stuck into these main races. Now, this is a good race. As you say, it lacks strength and depth. But I tend to think that these kind of events go towards those towards ahead of the market anyway. Um, Charlie Hills has run his best six furlong horse in this race for the last two runnings. 2019, he ran Equilateral in this race. 2021, he ran Royal Commando, who actually won this event. This year, Charlie Hills is represented by Garris, who heads the market, as you say. I think he's going to record another victory in this race. Garris is a horse who has so much speed, but he was tried over five furlongs to start his career, moved to six, then last was last seen running over seven furlongs. I think the drop back to six furlongs would definitely suit. He needs a straight track because he doesn't have too much early zip, so he can often find himself a bit further back than ideal. But this race and the way it's going to develop should really suit him. There's speed in here with just another bottle in the lineup. Most Alita can go forward as well. I think both of those two will be campaigned with a big field handicap in mind later in the season. There's a couple in here as well that, I mean, very much fit the same bill. The likes of Volatile Analyst, um, Mondemege as well. So I think this race probably revolves around the two at the top of the market, Garris and Diligent Harry. I know all three of you aren't in agreement with me and have gone for the other option in here, um, but I really love Garris in this position. I think he's the horse to beat and I think he'll win. Yeah, well, the betting seeming that I well, I, I do know before uh, we uh, started this podcast what Ross and and James are are favouring, um, and I'm in agreement with the two. I'll come to James to you first because I believe there's a horse in in this race that could turn into a proper proper sprinter. I'm looking at the ground and I see it's good to start. I think it could get quicker with this beautiful sunshine at the moment. But diligent Harry for Clive Cox, he could be one of those. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Garris is currently the better of the pair. He's a lot of racing. He's six-year-old. He's a group three horse at best, I think, is Garris. Whereas Diligent Harry, 
last year was kind of a, a bit of a strange season for him because he came good in the weather in the winter. Um, now he got beat, um, so he won it on finals day. And then it's hard to give a horse a break, bring it back for the summer. He ran third at Newcastle on Neil Weather. Good second happy romance at Newbury in July. And then he came back. I think Clive didn't particularly want to run him uh, in October, but it was soft ground. Give him a go. And he didn't handle it patently. Um, I think Clive knew that before he ran. Um, he, he's been pulled out on the ground. that's was too soft a few times. And he's going to be back, hopefully, on, on a sounder surface. I'd imagine I agree with you. Now it's good to soft, but the way the weather's been, it's been drying out. A little bit too much, really, considering we are at the start of the flat season. But I think it'll be good ground. Doncaster, it drains pretty well. Um, horses that do well in your weather tend to transfer their form to Doncaster. Um, so I think there's loads in his favour in that regard. And Clive Cox is just fantastic with his sprinters in particular. And like I said, that convoluted season last year, because he had the weather winter campaign, meant no no proper break. Whereas after October, we've had a couple of months out to come back. You'd imagine fit and well. And I think he could be the, the type to improve past. Um, Beza could be interesting in the fact that he looked quite good, didn't he, when he won the Air Gold Cup? Smaller field, I think, will be in, in his favour. He's inconsistent. He, he might pop up, but I think the value started to go as we nibbled that a little bit um, in the run up to this race. But I do think that Tadijan Harry is the one horse that could be a, a standout sprinter this campaign. Yeah, I could believe his price to be at 11 to 4. I thought it would be shorter than that. But as you say, Gareth is on ratings, it's a better horse and he does have the genuine group form. Um, Ross, um, your thoughts um, with this horse? I thought it's interesting to see how this race might pan out. I know Mo Salita likes to go on. She's pretty quick, um, which could play into Diligence Harry, Harry's strength because he's quite a free goer. Um, I'd love to see him with cover in a bigger field, hand, like bigger field race one day, but this is a really good starting point for him. I completely agree with what TC and James have said. You know, it certainly looks between the top two in the market. Bielsa probably isn't up to this grade. He's, he's been found in wanting in listing in group three class before. Um, Gareth, I can, I can see the angle, but the fact of the matter is that Diligent Harry's only had two runs on turf. One of those came on soft ground, as James said, which certainly wouldn't have suited. He's a four-year-old. He's got potentially bags of improvement in him. Um, and I, I just thought at the prices... He was a, you know, he was he was a bigger price than Garrison, and that's the way I went. I wouldn't have a huge amount between them, and I just thought uh, four-year-old coming in early in the season, as James said, Clive Cox does very well with his sprinters, uh, in particular. And Charlie Hills, always having sort of marked as a slightly slow starter to the season, um, so diligent Harry for me. Yeah, I, I back that three three against um, TC for diligent Harry, but it's it's one of the two at the top of the market going to where we're sitting. I just think Diligent Harry did was pretty pretty good fresh on his first run last last uh, first start as well last year. Um and yeah I think he could be a proper sprinter. So good way to uh to begin. That's 150. Uh we'll head into the 225, the um SBK Spring Mile, run of the miles the constellation race for the the Lincoln, um those that were eliminated at the 48 hour deck stage. And um again we've got a very interesting store at the top of, of the top of the market, Empire State of Mind, um, seven to two favourite, a horse that I'm really excited to see his form links in very well for one of the lead protagonists in the in the uh, Lincoln itself in Mujtaba. Um, seven to two, generally nine to two, Star Shield six to one, Boyne Ivy thirteen to two, fifteen to two, Mostawa and ten to one, bigger the rest. Um, we're running over this straight mile. As we said, the drown's drying up. Uh, drying up. Um, it's, uh, it's as I said, Empire State of the Mind leads the way as he should be based on that really good form with Mutaba. Um, TC, 
thoughts with him? Are you with him or are you against him? I'm against him, but I think he deserves to be favourite Empire State of Mind. Uh, I think he's got stronger claims than General Lee, who's the current second favourite in the race. He shot up the weights last year, shot up the ratings, in fact, because he was just notching victory after victory, runner-up in, in between his wins. And, you know, he, he's gone up 20-odd pounds in the weights. Now, he could easily improve again into his four-year-old season, but he's coming off a long layoff, different kind of conditions. He was last seen on, on testing ground. Um, I think he deserves to be favourite, but I don't want to be backing him at that kind of price. There's a horse in here that I think is very interesting, which is Mustawa. He ran a screamer in this race last year. He finished third. He was drawn in stall 14 in a much deeper edition of the race than this. Um, and it paid to be drawn against the Stanside Rail that day. He was out towards the middle of the track um, and he looked under pressure from a long way out. But he stayed on really powerfully. Um, up to the straight mile to the finish line and he finished third I thought it was a very good effort that effort came off a mark of 88 he's dropped five pounds in the handicap since this has probably been the target he had a pipe opener at Kempton uh, just over a month ago as well which will see him spot on for this he'll relish the return to turf I think he's the value play in here Mostawa he's got Sylvester D'Souza on board um, who was on board him that this time last year as well and has done well with him in the past um, Mostawa for TC um, Ross, to you, you, you next. Thoughts? I, I don't think I found. I thought possibly Empire State of Mind finding Much Darby too good at Red Car was no bad thing at all. He's bat bumped into one that day, only raised a pound for that. Very likable, and I just think he's the best horse in this race. Yeah, I can, I, I can see your angle, but again, I, I, I couldn't take him at the, the price he's at. Um, I came down on Mustar with 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 TC for, and I'll echo the same reasons. You know, oh, it was definitely a strong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's hope it's a bit different on the flat than it's been on the jumps. Um, it was definitely a stronger heat last year. Um, this is easier, five pound lower. I'd perhaps be a little more considered about the the return run on your weather. Um, you know, he had a nice run through. He didn't overly impressed me but if that was purely designed just to put him spot on for this then then I think he's got a great chance at the prices and obviously Sylvester D'Souza freelance this year without his um, power uh, retained uh, gig so he will be I mean he's he's always a man that will give you a run for your money but never more so than this season you'd imagine at the start of the season reminding everyone that he's out there and uh, and available so Heather Main is a, a, a small time trainer but she does very well with a small string um, at the price, I thought he was a, a value play. Okay, well, the Roscoe double is uh, starting afresh for the flat season. James, I've tried TC, I've tried Ross. Uh, do you think that I'm barking up the wrong tree with Empire State of Mind? No, I'm in uh, your camp here with this one because what's disappointing, though, is that there is only nine taking part in this race. Normally always feels normally won by a very much a progressive four-year-old that uh, didn't quite sneak into the main race, whereas... This year, it's very, very different. You've only really got two of those four-year-olds, General Lee and Empire State of Mind. And I think the ground's probably crucial. Uh, General Lee, his last two wins, both came on good to firm ground. In between on heavy, he was a little bit below par at Windsor. So while the ground's drying out all the time, it's probably not going to be good to firm. It'd be good. And Empire State of Mind, you've got no worries with the ground whatsoever with him. He won on soft, won on good ground. He finally found his, his stride last season. Um he looks relatively uncomplicated now. The blinkers have gone on. And I just felt he was the type that would, would keep on progressing again. I respect what the lads say because it was a much stronger race last year. But a little bit like Ross last year, again, into the race of a 101-day layoff. This year, he had that run at, at Kempton. And it wasn't a, a brilliant effort considering he was well handicapped in that race um, like he is on, on Saturday. So 
Um, I think he's probably second in for me. I'm not a massive General Lee fan, um, but I'm going to stick with you, Empire State of Mind. Yeah, I agree. I think Empire State of Mind, Diligent Harry doubles, looking quite nice, these two. I'm really keen on that. both of them. I'd, a quick shout out for May 9th. I, Andrew Balding's made a very strong start to the year. This horse can be a bit frustrating, but it's gone up in the handicap over the winter. It'll just be interesting to see his level now back on the turf. And again, he might be one that might be uh, better suited by a stronger pace and a bigger field handicap um, and the cheap pieces on for the first time. So I don't, I'm not off put off this horse um, at an each way price at 10 to 1 is all right for me. Um, so differing of opinions um, for the Doncaster Mile, we'll head into the big one um, at 3.35. This is the Lincoln. And, oh, this race has been looking really hot as it has done for the last couple of years. And it's a big opportunity as well for some young up and coming apprentice jockeys. Their claims being a massive help in a big handicap like this with some classy sorts wanting to get a few extra pounds with high rating. Um, and we've, over the years, it's been the classic case of a group horse and a handicap ahead of that handicap mark. The Lincoln of 2018, a day beating Lord Glitters. That was some race. And the likes, not so sleepy, big country, Gabriel, they were all in that race. So we could have anything here. Um, TC, start with you first. And I'd like to start with modern news if it's all right, because I'll get your selection, but just your thoughts on this horse, because he's been the talking horse with Charlie Appleby and Godolphin, who've won this with uh, twice in the last few years. And he's been the, the hype horse because of the jockey, Harry Davies, taking seven pounds off a big ask for a, a, a young guy who's only had 30-odd run uh, rides and six winners. Um, but that he could really fit into that criteria of this so-called group horse and a handicap. Yeah, exactly. Four-year-olds have won the last five editions of the Lincoln. Harry Davis is really impressed over the winter um, in our flat guide that we're giving away at Doncaster on Saturday. Um, I wrote a piece about three up-and-coming jockeys and he featured in there. I think he's a, a jockey with a bright future and the fact that Godolphin are using him already in his career just suggests that. Um, the fact is, the modern news is a, a great opportunity for him. This horse has already won at Doncaster before. He's drawn well in, in gate eight as well. Um, I kind of look for a middle to high draw, which put me off uh, Mushtaba and Salim, I have to say, who are drawn in stall, stalls two and three respectively. Um, but yeah, that, I think the fact that they're all drawn low completely changes the complexion of this race, Jess. Very interesting. Um, it's a, it's a, a race that can, you know, but getting the right run, run of the race is really important. I'll, I'll get your section a bit, but just get your, your thoughts, James, on um, the opportunity, you know, being, you know, a jockey yourself, knowing what it's like for these young jockeys, pressure on their backs. And if you look at the top, in the market, Ross Coakley, Harry Davies, Adam Farraher, huge opportunities. And it's a, but it's also a big ask and puts a lot of weight on these young guys' shoulders. Yeah, most definitely. I was never good enough to get that kind of pressure, but um, it is a lot. What fascinated me was, was Harry actually, I think on about his 10th ride, had a ride for Godolphin in a maiden, a horse called Tranquil Knight. And watching him get on the start, it was a little bit on the keen side. And I was thinking from a wide draw, this one might just take off. Yet he popped him out, got him settled, switched him in behind cover and then produced him to win very, very easily. And, and that was a ride of someone that's very much confident in their abilities. Um, clearly a talented young rider. We saw it last year with Benny de la Sayette, first ride in turf, winning uh, the Lincoln last year. And I think he's very, very good against that. I'm going to oppose him with the other good claimer, Adam Farragos. He's got all that experience in the bag riding in Ireland it's very tough for an apprentice over in Ireland because A, there's a lot fewer opportunities uh, and B, 
the top yards dominate more than what they do over in the UK. Whereas you've got three meetings a day, you can drive plenty of winners at the minor meetings. They don't really exist, Dundalk aside, over in Ireland. So he gained a lot of experience, but not a lot of winners. He came over to William Haggis's yard last year. I thought he gelled pretty well. And the fact that uh, William's putting it up on Mujabar, A, it shows you the, the respect and, and the faith that William has in him as a rider. And probably he's reacting to Harry Davis taking off Southern on middle on modern news because I think Harry probably rides as well as most three pound claimers now. So you've kind of got a three, four pound at least. And Adam, he's going to be down to his three quite shortly. He's ridden a lot of winners already. And I think he's probably worth like the four pound as well in hand. So two very good riders. And Ross Coakley actually rides a lot for us. Um, we used him most of the last season. He was only really riding for us. Unfortunately, he's had a good winter. So he's um, been picked up by the bigger yards. And Simon Crisford's a team he's certainly got a good association with now. Um, I think had three winners from about five rides. And it's a nice ride for him to pick up. I was a little bit unsure what that horse has achieved, Salem, in the fact that it was a seven-length novice at Chelmsford in November. He won, having been set for a mark in the mid-70s. And then it was quite a weak November handicap. He won by, by five lengths at Wolverhampton. So I think the other two have achieved a lot more. But Ross is a big ride for him. And he's a jockey. I think most of them aren't always the brightest, whereas I can have a conversation with Ross and he understands what I want him to do. Uh, so I think he's a jockey that, that could go could go quite far and um, it's, it's a big day for him on Saturday. But I think the horse might need to improve a bit more than the two rivals ridden by the apprentices. But it's a, a cracking cracking Lincoln in the fact that you have these unexposed horses that could well be anything in the contest. And, and that, for me, is pretty fascinating. And the, the three riders aren't household names at all. And it's a big day for mm. them. Yeah, it certainly is. When you've got a a jockey which doesn't have a huge amount of big, big ride race experience and also horses who aren't that exposed either, who could be anything coming off the back of the break, Mujtaba is that. But, you know, the, the looking at his profile, he could be just that next type of a Dave. Uh, he made some good, pretty good horses that very ordinary at the back of last season. And the connections are, are very keen on him. I'll come to I'll come to you, Ross, and your thoughts on these head these horses, the sort of hype horses at the head of the market. Um, you know, they they clearly are the ones that you, you kind of look for in a Lincoln over the last few years. These are the type of horses that go and win it. Is there anything that perhaps has got more race course experience, is is being there, done that, um, who's got a more experienced jockey on board that you that, that you think has probably got a bit of value based on the fact that there's been a lot of talk about these more unexposed types. Uh, not not hugely at the head of the market. I, I certainly took on board the sort of experience and modern news does have twice the number of runs Mujibar has. Um, and I just thought in a handicap that could be could be important. Um, but then, you know, that is counterbalanced by Adam Farah has more, more experience than, than Harry Davis. But for me at the head of the market, I thought modern news was 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 this was a sound selection um further down the market but again with an inexperienced jockey um broken spear for tony carroll stayed on really strongly over seven furlongs at the back end of last year uh he had a pipe opener on the on the all-weather recently and that very much looked like a pipe opener because he went very wide the whole way around and wasn't given a hard time uh johnny pete caught my eye you might remember he uh made the running um on a horse called Gobi Sunset, I think it was, um, at Newcastle, um, made the running, kicked early, and and did a really sound job. And I'm 
always keen to follow jockeys that have the confidence to try something. If it hadn't come off as a seven pound apprentice, you're in for a roasting and he, he, he made his move and he made it stick and he did a very good job. It's gone a bit quiet for him now, um, but he's clearly a talented lad and a confident lad. And I think in a big handicap, that's not a bad thing to have. He claims seven still. I thought 66 to one is a, is a big price for him with, with course form. If he improves the step up to a mile, um, he stayed on very strongly over the seven last time. Um, so for me, it was, it was modern news, a fairly unoriginal selection, but at a bigger price, um, each way places maybe a broken spear. Yeah, Donny Pete was on board broken spear when he won at Doncaster in a 22 runner handicap. So that's experience for both jockey and horse, um, which is obviously um, very uh, in interesting. 66 to 1, we love a bit of that. TC, I'll come back to you then. Um, you've had your thoughts on these uh, horses at the top of the market. Again, you know, the same sort of question I asked Ross does that, does, does that, what does, does it, Dent your enthusiasm for a horse with the lack of experience, but you know the big hype and the the opportunity that they're sort of their trainers are giving them to to land a big race like this on route to essentially better things that they they hope to achieve this season. No, the lack of experience doesn't bother me. Um, the draw does, um, and that, that's not to say they're not all going to congregate over towards the far side. I mean, we've seen it before. A couple of horses in the last ten years have won from gate three, so it's certainly not a complete. Um, disadvantage to be drawn low however it was just enough to put me off betting them at the prices um, look I am fearing the four-year-olds I think modern games at uh, modern news sorry not modern games is the uh the one that might come out and win the race um I, I prefer his draw to Salim and Mushtaba um but I'm going to back two at bigger prices much bigger prices in fact the first is Johan now I know he's drawn low but this is just more a safety play in case those drawn low do dominate he has an excellent record when fresh he's moved to Mick Shannon's yard from William Haggis which I think is quite interesting. Mick Shannon has struck with a couple of handicappers first time up when he's picked them up for, for small prices from big yards. Uh, and this horse has an excellent record when fresh. Finished fifth in the Spring Cup last year on his first start at Newbury. Um, the ground is going to be perfect for him. So is the trip. And he's drawn right next to the two market leaders. So if those drawn low do dominate, um, I think Johan's a player at a big price. The, the other one that I'm interested in is a horse called Hortzadar, who actually finished third in this race last year. He's probably been targeted at the race again by David O'Mara. But I watched last year's race and I thought, why has this horse finished third? He was 66 to one. He looked completely exposed going into the race. He didn't even look well handicapped. He, and then I watched it and I thought, blimey, like this horse probably could have actually won the race. He was drawn in stall one. They all congregated towards the stand side and he was out on the wing, down the middle of the track, no cover whatsoever throughout the whole race. Yet he still made his move up to the leaders. He hit the front briefly and finished third behind a very well handicapped horse in Hakiki. I think if he reproduces that effort of a £7 lower mark this year, then he's a major player at a massive price. Well, they're both 40 to 1, so big enough. 40s and 66s, they've got some nice uh, each-way options. I think, uh, James, there was one that, well, another one that we might have agreed on um, in this as well. Robert, and he's he's already come in for a little bit of money already since the um, confirmation's come out. He's as big as 33s. I think I've seen 22s around, and he's 28 to 1 for Tom Clover. He's another trainer who's made a good start to the season. Yeah, he was one that I imagine Tom was a bit gutted when he saw the decks come through and he sneaked into the Lincoln because I think he would have liked him into the uh, the spring mile. But against that, David Egan, eight stone three, I think it's a cracking jockey booking because David's very strong for a lightweight jockey in particular. Uh, the horse is on a right progressive profile and um, goes well on a straight track. He won at Doncaster in April last year. Um, dead heated with Hot Chestnut, who was well treated at the time at Nottingham. Um, I, I think he's progressive and uh, I like Tom Clover as a trainer as well. So 
from the high numbers um, with the draw, with, with so many of uh, the leading contenders and Johan Tom selection, a front runner, I think he might drag along um, those that are drawn low. But if the high numbers uh, get involved, he's definitely my one from, from the high draws. And, and like you, I think he's, he's an each way price. A lot of people seem to notice because you say that the price is, is, is dropping a bit and he might well be a bit shorter uh, come Saturday. Yeah, I I'm tend to agree with you. Another horse I want to give a nod to is Amethyst. He's 16 to 1. He, he's he got that sweet spot. He's drawn 13. He ended his season with a very good third in the Cambridgeshire. Um, the run before that, he was the wrong side of the track at York in another big field handicap. So he's got experience in this type of races. He's not yet definitely proven over a mile, but showed at Newmarket. He's definitely capable at this trip. He, he's one that goes well fresh. Uh, Kieran Fallon booked. Uh, he's got a nice racing weight, eight. 810 uh, and uh, I think he's not a bad each way shot as well so that's what we like we obviously have a lot of respect for these horses at the top of the market but we're, there are plenty in there with a good each way uh, each way option um, if they if those ones at the top have just been over bet a little bit um, so plenty to think about ahead of the SBK Lincoln um, a cracking renewal and brilliant that SBK um, have got the sponsorship of the, at the day on um, on Saturday at Doncaster. Uh, our final race that we're going to preview is at Kempton, um, where we have um, the Magnolia Stakes, a listed race uh, for four-year-olds and up over one mile, two furlongs. Um, uh, goes off at five past two. On paper, it's the rerun of the Wimpsor Derby trial, the first four reopposing, and Fancy Man uh, for Richard Hannon and Thorhammer Hampton. Heads are betting at seven to four. Felix is the only horse in there. That's the, the his his big worry. He's four to one. King of the South, fifteen to two. Father of Jazz, ten to one. Alzarakan, fourteens with Living Legend. Um, Ross, um, over to you first. Um, thoughts on this race because Fancy Man clearly a classy three-year-old last year. Ended the season with uh, a great win in a conditions race over one mile four. So he's clearly a stayer. He's quite versatile as well, and he. And he, he proved himself a, a good quality of horse, just bumped into very, very solid horses in Alan Kerr and Lord North last time. Yeah, I think he, he looks like the very obvious favourite, doesn't he? But he has to concede the three pound. I couldn't really see that with the couple at the top of the market with him. I couldn't see why that would, would bother him. At the price, I would just chance Al Zaragan against him in the first time blinkers. Um, he will be able to get forward in this race, I suspect. Um, it's only living legend in him that would really want to want to press forward. He looked to me the last twice at Lingfield, he sulked when he got headed. Um, if the blinkers uh, can and Luke Morris can just sort of uh, set a fire to him a little bit, he could just take a bit of passing um, if they have the desired effect. But it wouldn't be a, a confident pick. But at 14 to 1, um, I thought he was worth chancing at the price. Yeah, to be honest, I saw him as the likely pace angle. Again, he's been behind Fancy Man in the last two starts and gives him a nice toe to the race. Uh, TC, thoughts on this? It, it, like, it's three pounds, really. You know, we've been doing the, the jump season and, and penalties for horses and additional weight. It's not a huge amount for a horse that on rating looks to really be going the right way. Yeah, exactly. I think this is all about fancy, man. I expect him to win. Um, seven of the last nine favourites of this race have won. It doesn't tend to be the deepest event. Um, in fact, no horse bigger than four to one has won in the last decade, which I think is very interesting. Only two horses this year fill that criteria. Obviously, fancy man being the favourite and Felix, who I think is a bit of a, a Lingfield specialist. 
I can't see past Fancy Man. He was considered a derby horse last year. He ran in a trial, didn't work out for him. Then he seemed to lose his confidence a little bit. They ran him in an all-weather conditions race to end the season. He was set off a short price favourite. He got the job done. That got his confidence back. Bolted up in a, in a winter derby trial on his return. Third behind two Group 1 horses in the winter derby itself in Alan Kerr and Lord North. He actually beat Alan Kerr as a juvenile as well at Haydock by three and a quarter lengths, which just showed his talent. Um, I can't see him being beat here. Fancy around a win. Yes, a good opportunity for Thorham Hanson was Sean Levy over in Maidan, his regular partner on um, Happy Romance, I assume. Um, so, yeah, Thor, with his, without his claim, starting his year as a, as a pro, uh, big, it's a big opportunity for him, James. Um, you know, he's been part of the Richard Hannon team for a long time. And to be on horses like this is in, on an ITV race is, a, is, is, is going to be. And also with a horse like this, who clearly is quite versatile. You can hold him up. You can lead with him. So how Thor goes out and, and decides to run his race will be quite interesting. Yeah, we used Thor as a £7 claimer when he first started, and he rides very well. These are the opportunities that the, the lads and lasses ride a claim have to take because you don't get too many of them, and you need to show that you, your trainers can rely on you to deliver on the big stage, and um, I think he will do. Um, Fancy Man himself, I know he's actually won twice at Lingfield. I think a more galloping track to see him in the better light. He's, he's a big horse. Um, I think it's been the nature of the opposition that's seen him win at Lingfield. He ran well behind Alan Kerr. And Lord North at Lingfield in the Winter Derby. That was a really strong renewal of that race this year, much stronger than it normally is, bearing in mind um, the prize money in the UK compared to what they can race for abroad. Felix, he uh, would have been in a Dubai turf, but he didn't get invited this year. And that just shows you he's not quite as good as what he was last year when he finished third in that contest. Um, he was fifth on Super Saturday. I think it was at Maidan. That was a decent enough effort, but he's six year old now. He does look like he's not quite as good as what he was in his younger days. So um, for that reason, Fancy Man is a great opportunity for him. And I think he's got a, an obvious chance of uh, being another winning favourite in this race. Yeah, look, I've struggled to see against the post Fancy Man, but for the sake of not putting up too many favourites this week, I'm just going to give Felix the nod um, and go against that, just because I thought, I think he's a real battle-hardened sort. I think he ran a great race in Maidan and the Jebel Hafter two weeks ago. He's a course consistent winner. Did a good campaign last year. And if that £3 weight pull does help, um, I might just take Fancy Man on at the prices. But I do that with slight trepidation because I uh, I think they really like uh, Fancy Man, the Richard Hannon team, to start off a, to, who's already begun a good season and um, they can pick up them. This is a good opportunity, essentially, because he's going to find stronger opposition as the season uh, goes on. Uh, but that's the Magnolia Stakes. Um, a good uh, a good. A good card at Kenton, a good weekend of racing. I know we've got uh, the Dubai World Cup night at Maidan, and we've got, uh, as I said, the rest of the card at Doncaster. But Ross Miller is only about Stratford because I know that's where his nap and his next bet is going to come from because we still have jumps racing, or you're jumps fans. So I'll ask now for uh, for Ross Miller's nap and next bet. So my nap doesn't keep the come, uh, well, both come from Stratford in the 218 uh, Daria. Um, was a well-gambled birthday winner last week for owner-trainer David Brace. Um, won comfortably, was valued for far more than the winning margin, having travelled into it very well and made a mistake at the second last. Has a £6 rise here. I can't see that stopping her. Um, and in the next best is in the 438 Black Kalanisi. I think he's been crying out for a, a bit more of a trip on this better ground. Uh, it's £5 low in his last winning mark is weighted to reverse course form with Capital Toy from, from last October. 
um, I think he'll go very close. Okay, brilliant for your jump needs. If you've had enough of all the all the flat chat, we still uh, we still keep keep it as a priority. Uh, on to you next, James. Yeah, Empire State of Mind in the Spring Miles, my nap. I thought he's a very progressive three-year-old last year for the Quinn team. Three to four, they've kept hold of him. They must think he's got more improvement. Obviously, he would have gone to the sales. And I just think nine runners is a much weaker race than it normally is the Spring Miles. I think he's got a great chance. And then I'm going to go for a three-year-old. I like these three-year-old handicaps where you see horses reappearing after winter off, open to loads of improvement. Gangway in the six o'clock at Wolverhampton is my choice. And actually, he's a bit more exposed than the normal three-year-olds that I put up. But I thought it was very interesting um paul dean actually originally owned him they paid uh, forty-eight thousand for him he went to horses and training sales and uh kingsley park syndicates bought him back for just eleven thousand pound he's from a family that improved with age he's by glenn eagles he's been gilded since we last saw him and although he actually came last at 13 and his last run he only got beat five lengths so he wasn't that far behind he's dropped five pounds since going handicapping and the fact that they've kept hold of him i think suggests he'll be well treated in, in a relatively weak handicap at wolverhampton at six o'clock so um, those three-year-olds hopefully loads improvers will be able to find on the podcast throughout the flat season but that's one just to, to keep an eye on at Wolverhampton on Saturday night yeah racing continues on into the evening um, once you've finished with Doncaster and, and Kempton and Stratford where are you looking to see well I've, I've toyed up uh, four horses for my nap I've, I've eventually came down on Garris just purely on the fact that his record fresh is so good three victories a third and a second from five runs after a break top rated in the race this is 150 at Doncaster I mean three others could have worked here Fancy Man in the Magnolia Stakes chinned it in the Donny Mile and Life is Good in the Dubai World Cup who's definitely break and gone um, but I'll leave those uh, the next best comes at Kempton the 430 at Kempton in fact and it's a horse called War in Heaven trained by Andrew Balding son of exceeding excel last year looked really babyish in two starts like some of Andrew Balding's juveniles can be they take some time to you know mature physically and mentally it looks like War in Heaven has done that this uh, winter on the all-weather. He's won two six furlong events at Lingfield. He's looked very green round in the home bend and kind of only found his full stride in the final 100, 110 yards. I think the return, the, the switch, sorry, to Kempton with a longer straight, the step up to seven furlongs will suit him. He looks really well handicapped with a marker for 78. He's my next best. War in heaven in the 4.30 at Kempton. Okay, interesting. Look forward to seeing him. Uh, for me, for myself, uh, my nap is going to come in Diligent Harry. I think he's going to be shorter than 11 to 4 come Saturday for the Cambridge Trophy. He's got a big uh, season ahead of him. Let's hope he gets off to a good start on Saturday. I am also going to put up a next best as Papa Sao. We talked about young apprentices. Um, Lorenzo Azzurri has not had a huge amount of winners um, for Stuart Williams. He's got a big opportunity with Marco Gianni at Doncaster. He'll be on Papa Sauer. Uh, at Kempton in the 355. I think this horse was unlucky last time out at Lingfield, but has racked up a, a good few wins at Kempton beforehand, back at his favourite track. And uh, I think that he represents a bit of value. I think you can get around 10 to 1. Um, so plenty of racing on Saturday. Uh, so for new customers uh, who are listening to podcasts for the first time, are yet a member of SBK, you can deposit £10 and you'll get £30 in free bets. So plenty to play with for this weekend um, and we hope that we have offered you a few uh, good insights and good few tips for the beginning of the flat turf season and uh, so thanks to James to Tom to Ross enjoy this weekend as ever like subscribe to the podcast we're back every week um, and we look forward to seeing you this time next week. <laughs>